0: Hi there, I'm Adam Leventhal and welcome to this special bonus podcast. We have assembled three of our writers to bring you the inside story of how Chelsea have landed Timo Werner from Bundesliga side RB Leipzig so long, a transfer target for Liverpool, of course. I'm joined by the Athletics football correspondent David Ornstein, our German football writer Rafa Honigstein and Liam Toomey, who covers Chelsea for us. Gents, thanks very much for coming on board. Um, Liam... David, Rafa, they've, they've contributed to an incredibly detailed piece on this Werner story uh, that you can read right now on The Athletic. And if you're not already a subscriber, you can sign up and take advantage of a 30-day free trial by going to theathletic.com forward slash Ornstein and Chapman to enjoy the best football writing anywhere, just as the season makes its return. Uh, David, I wanted to start with you. Um, so it looked like plan A was Liverpool. Plan B was stay at RB Leipzig. When did plan C, fittingly Chelsea, come into play then?
1: (laughs) It's been quite a um, tale, hasn't it? And the first thing to say is it's not quite done yet. There's still some details that need to be worked through in the coming days, primarily Timo Werner's contract, because this has developed so quickly over the last few days it really started to gather pace from what I understand on sort of Thursday and Friday of last week and then uh, a week on from then the story broke that Timo Werner had agreed to the move Chelsea with the club willing to pay the buyout clause in his contract and so things have escalated very rapidly. Project A was Liverpool indeed because it was Timo Werner's preference and dream to join Liverpool uh, and work under Jurgen Klopp. The pair met in Berlin at the end of February, a few weeks before the lockdown. And then they spoke again in around Easter time. And they've also exchanged WhatsApp messages uh, in the interim weeks. Pleasantries, really. Timo Werner was in a very difficult position a year ago because it seemed uh, he would be moving to Bayern Munich. That went right down to the wire. He went away on holiday. All plans were in place. Uh, and then he came back. And the deal wasn't going ahead at the last minute. And he had to return to RB Leipzig where he already said his goodbyes. It was a very difficult situation for him psychologically. And fortunately for him, he got put on a new contract, which created the position we're in now with the release clause. But he didn't want to go through that process again. And so he set Liverpool a cutoff. He gave them a couple of days within the last couple of weeks, that that is, um, where he wanted to hear back from them with a final decision. So they went away and spoke about it and stuck to their position, Liverpool, that they couldn't afford to pay the figure it would take to get him from RB Leipzig this summer in these particularly challenging financial times. And so there was a final conversation with Jurgen Klopp where Klopp was extremely keen to reassure Werner, who is very sensitive around these things, I'm told, that it was nothing to do with him as a player. It was nothing to do with him in terms of his squad plans. It was to do with the financial situation. It just wasn't possible to proceed And Timo Werner took that well. Uh, Full respect, great relationship between the pair. And he was in a position and his mindset was I'm either joining Liverpool this summer or I'll stay at RB Leipzig for another year. However, things had changed at RB Leipzig's end as I understand it. And from backing him in that stance and especially the coach Julian Nagelsmann, they changed tact and the pressure of financial fair play compliance meant that their preference was now for him to go. And once he knew that, Uh, said that he was disappointed but accepting. Uh, Nagelsmann is said to have not been privy to that change and so disappointed too. But they moved on and Timo Werner's preference, of course, was the Premier League. Uh, He re-engaged his mind on that, opened the process again, spoke to Manchester United or or talks to place with Manchester United he had also met in Berlin prior to the clock meeting in February with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer uh, that was fine no problems there but uh, in this particular situation Manchester United were complicated by the fact that a move for Werner would need in their mind to have some clarity around the future of Paul Pogba if P- Paul Pogba would be sold then the money would be there for Werner to be signed but uh, we don't know what's going to happen with Paul Pogba and as we know Werner was not prepared to wait. Enter Chelsea uh, who had shown interest throughout. There had been talks with Werner's representatives, although not personally between Werner and Chelsea prior to that. They were brilliant from what I hear. Chelsea uh, straight into RB Leipzig, the only club willing to pay the release clause in full, um, even that if that will be staggered uh, between this summer and January. Marina Granovskaya and Dr Michael Becker, who was a former representative of Michael Ballack and has worked with Chelsea on a number of deals. They've got a good relationship. They worked together on this. He's based in Luxembourg, so it was slightly easier. He may have travelled across to Leipzig. I don't know that for certain, but Marina Granovskaya wasn't able to travel from London. He was key to this. And then the other vital thing were two phone calls by Frank Lampard that lasted, I'm told, sort of half an hour, an hour each, uh, that went very well in which Lampard explained Werner's role that, he explained that the club backed him and that he wouldn't be sacked in october for example like you know Werner may have feared because he wants continuity and stability the young team at chelsea was something that really appealed to him no not many big egos or very experienced players and characters who may be intimidating for a, a young boy coming from germany uh, and so it gets to the position we're in now a contract is prepared. It looks like it's going to be five years. We we know some of the figures and Liam's going to explain that now. Chelsea are on the verge of um, making a massive signing.
0: Yeah, Liam, I mean, in terms of what we know about that, that financial package and, and the logistics... You know, from from this moment on to, to making sure that this is all signed, sealed and delivered, what, what's nailed down and what still needs to be arranged?
2: The one thing that is nailed down is that Chelsea will pay the full release clause, as, as David said. They were the only interested club prepared to do that um, for, for Timo Werner. And that release clause is, is going to be either €55 million Euros or €60 million. Euros. We believe that the difference is down to whether or not RB Leipzig qualify for the Champions League um and in terms of the contract uh you know we we're, we're looking at Werner's wages increasing year on year and we understand they'll reach a point of around 9 million pounds per year which equates to a little more than 170,000 pounds a week which i think you look at Chelsea's broader wage structure that fits quite comfortably within that and and puts him vaguely on on par with um with some of the homegrown academy players actually that, that that Chelsea have given new contracts to he would he'd be towards the top end of that but it's certainly comparable and those are the things that that, that still have to be nailed down in terms of contract length uh, but the but the base level financials are, are kind of there and the broad picture of this agreement is already in place this is all but done.
0: And Rafa so it, it appears that finances have won this deal uh, over football and I, you know I know that David has mentioned the fact that Frank Lampard has has made a couple of phone calls and that seems to have um helped smooth the situation over but it but it appears that that dream move to to Liverpool was genuine and the relationship with with Jurgen Klopp was seemingly close and uh, seemed to sort of make sense how do you think you know, Timo Werner as a player, as a human being, will, will deal with this late switch from heading to Liverpool to, to Chelsea. Now, will that be difficult for him to get his head around, or is is he, you know, very level headed and it will just be easy for him to just get over this hurdle?
3: I mean, the first point I'd like to make is that I think Chelsea won the day because they were in a position to push the button, whereas a lot of other clubs are still trying to figure out what the exact impact is of the coronavirus crisis. I think because Chelsea do things a little bit differently. Um, perhaps less strategically, uh, and I don't mean it in a bad way. Um, they were able to—I don't want to say to buy on impulse, but to you know to to bring forward a position, a decision that a lot of clubs who are run. More, you know, in terms of what what is the finance implication and what is our five year plan? They just weren't able to do it, and it was opportunistic but very well executed. As far as Werner's um, move to Liverpool is concerned, I mean, this is a guy who's basically now been thwarted twice. He had agreed to go to Bayern. Bayern never made uh, any attempt to force the deal through. As far as negotiating a deal with Leipzig was concerned, they were hoping that he might run down his contract. He was very very disappointed. Uh, effectively fell out with the club I don't think that's happened with Liverpool but of course he did go out on a uh, on a limb uh, by expressing his desire to move quite publicly and openly I think it might have hurt his feelings somewhat but then the reality of the situation is that he didn't want to stay I think ultimately another year at, uh, at Leipzig despite the best attempts of Julian Nagelsmann uh, I think also his agents were were looking to to make that big deal happen that had been sort of in, in the background for, for quite some time now and wanted to get a big deal over the line. And Chelsea have, have benefited. But of course, I think it's, if you ask me, I think it's in a sporting sense a less straightforward proposition for him because I think he'll still need to figure out where he fits into this Chelsea team with Tammy Abraham and with a system that I think that is still very much in flux. Liverpool, he would have you know, been added to a fully formed uh, team with a very specific role, even if it had been a substitute or, or a squad player role to begin with. I think it would have been very clear defined. I think with Chelsea, there's a lot more open sporting questions in my mind, how he will fit into their system. But he is one of those um, products of the German academy system Who's a total professional. Um, you will not find any hint of a scandal or misbehaviour uh, or anything uh, that would make anyone wonder about his commitment. So I expect him to settle very, very quickly and start, start scoring lots of goals.
0: Liam, how do, how do you think he, he is going to fit in at Chelsea, because obviously there is, you know, as as Rafa mentioned there, the, the concerns now for for Tammy Abraham, Olivier Giroud signing in a new deal, but now there's there's someone else in in the mix. What do you think the plan is for him?
2: Well, I think fundamentally he gives Lampard a few more options and and much more firepower, which is something that he's been publicly lobbying for, certainly since the January transfer window. He presents a different type of forward to. Olivier Giroud and to the type of forward that they were kind of moulding Tammy Abraham into, which is much more of a hold-up player, a link-up player, a back-to-goal striker who who leads the line. I think there's a view that, that Werner can can play up front through the middle, obviously, in as an alternative to Abraham, but also maybe in partnership with him. And of course, he can also play on the left, making those incisive runs behind defences from from out to in which Lampard really wants has actually been lobbying all of his wingers this season to do more of so in that sense he he does fit the overall profile of this squad and he also fits the the age profile of the squad but as you suggested it does pose quite significant questions about Tammy Abraham's contract negotiations which were already at something of an impasse for the last few months. There hasn't been any major progress. Abraham was waiting, I think, to see initially what he would do for England at Euro 2020 this summer. That is obviously not happening now. And uh, and he has two years left on his current deal. So I think Chelsea don't want to let that situation drag on too much longer. But Werner presents competition for Abraham, cover for Abraham, maybe a, maybe a potential partner for him as well. But also... I think some insurance for Chelsea in case the Abraham situation with his with his contract talks goes um, conti- continues to have minimal progress.
1: I've just got a question for Raf before we bring it back to Chelsea. Timo Werner seems to be quite a quiet and private guy. Uh, obviously, Leipzig is a completely different place from London. How do you think he'll cope with the adaptation from the relatively discreet life to the big city and the expectation that's going to be on his shoulders as most likely the biggest signing for the Premier League this year and one of the biggest in many years?
3: I don't think um, Werner will, will necessarily see it as such a big change. Um, he has been talking to uh, Antonio Rudiger and I think Antonio Rudiger um did play a role in, in maybe convincing him or at least not dissuading him from coming to Chelsea. And I think what Rudiger would have told him, which is similar to what Michael Balak was going through or Jens Lehmann was here or even Mesut Ozil now, is that London, for all the size of it, can be actually very anonymous for players because there are always more important celebrities around. And uh, I don't think that he will be daunted by... You know by the idea of playing uh, in, in a club that that attracts sort of worldwide attention because stuttgart for example when he was there as a 17 year old coming through they were having some good years but also some bad years and there the public scrutiny of of him and of all the players and the direct response from play from from fans you know whether you you, you know you're at the bakers or Uh, in the street or the petrol station was much more immediate, I think, than anything he will feel in in London, where people tend to leave players pretty much alone. So I I think, if anything, that would maybe even suit his character, that you can have a pretty quiet life. Not on the pitch, things are manic on the pitch more so than in other leagues, but off it, I think it is actually quite a, a protected environment, especially for foreign players who just don't attract the same level of Of attention in England, in terms of what he does on the field and how he has changed in
0: his um, playing style, uh, can you give us a a picture into you know what Chelsea fans who haven't seen him playing in the Bundesliga can expect to see now? Because it it appears his speed, his acceleration, are his sort of his his chief
3: assets. Well, Timo Werner is a converted winger. Um, You know, he used to play out on the left, and then he became. A centre forward, and now he's a sort of a hybrid in between the two. And I think the real development of the last couple of years has been an ability to to play a more central role without losing the effectiveness of coming from in from the wing. Uh, that's down to tactical changes. Um, you know, both Leipzig and uh, uh, under under Rangnick and Leipzig under Julian Nagelsmann have have perfected their game in possession, so he's better now in small spaces um uh, as a team but also his his personal i think development whereby he's learned to make these little runs that make the difference and he doesn't necessarily need to have 30 meters ahead of him to run into so he's no longer just a pure counter-attacking uh, player and it was fascinating to to read um in in, uh, in the article that we published today the um the information about Obama Young, uh, which um, hastened that, did not come from me, but from from my colleagues. Um, because Obama Young, too, is a converted v- winger who had the same issues. So, you know, People said he could only bray on the counterattack. He doesn't know how to lead the line effectively. And he developed uh, that part of his game. Um, and uh, Werner is, I think, in the same position, just slightly ahead of the curve because he's still only 24. And if you consider the fact that central forwards sort of come into their own maybe a little bit later than than other players, uh, you have four, five, maybe six fantastic years ahead of him, which again, I think makes him a real steal, even in coronavirus prices, I think. Um, 55, 60 million euros. The difference is is negligible, really, at this level. Uh, makes him an outstanding proposition.
0: It's interesting you mentioned about Pierre Emerick Aubameyang there, because I, I will ask you in a moment about you know other players, potential signings that will be coming potentially to the Premier League from from the Bundesliga in a moment. But it seems as if this transfer has sort of exposed a few hands already and, and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang potentially being an option for Chelsea. Does it, David, you know, raise the stakes in terms of him now almost destined to leave Arsenal and, and someone else can just simply come and
1: get him? Yeah, Rafa passed the bat on there and I'm I'm <laughs> going to take it because that was my information. Um, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang has been of interest to Chelsea for quite a long time, dating back to when Michael Emanalo was sporting director there. He really fitted what they were looking for at the time in the view of Emanalo, but not necessarily in the view of the coaches. That culminated in Antonio Conte not being keen on him. He was keen on Romelu Lukaku, the way he wants to play, his tactics, his style of play, the way he sets his team up. And so that didn't materialise. That was when he was at Borussia Dortmund. He obviously moved to Arsenal. And in January, Chelsea showed interest again. That interest is mainly being led by Frank Lampard and also Petr Cech, who was a teammate of Aubameyang's at Arsenal, shared a dressing room with him, knows him well, knows him as a person and a professional and doesn't need much convincing on that front. However, as I understand it, the Chelsea board were looking for somebody younger as a starting point. Secondly, it was very complicated in January because Chelsea didn't come to the fore until quite late If you remember, they were juggling a few options. It seemed Olivier Giroud was going to be leaving. Could they find a replacement? They were looking at the likes of Cavani and Dries Mertens. Neither of them came off and now we know that Aubameyang was in the mix as well. Further complicating it was that Barcelona were also keen and perhaps ahead of Chelsea in the queue but undermining all of that was that Arsenal were unwilling to sell so the can got kicked down the road and Chelsea were still interested again now through Lampard and Cech uh, less so at board level uh, looking as I said for a younger player with higher resale value which is obviously crucially important now more than ever and uh, so the Abamyang situation didn't develop and Werner, who I don't think was at the top of Lampard's list, but that depends on who you speak to, uh, very quickly emerged as being at the top of the club's list. And there was certainly a um, huge desire shown by Lampard in the conversations with Werner that helped make his mind up.
0: And Raphael, I wanted to come back to you on, on you know other saleable assets that exist in the Bundesliga and that have been linked to with moves to um the the, the Premier League, especially Jaden Sancho and Kai Havertz. Uh, do you think that this transfer and the level of this transfer has any impact on one, how much those deals are going to cost, and two, where they're going to go. Do you think Chelsea, for example, and Liam might be able to jump in as as well on this, would they be able to afford, you know, Jaden Sancho, for example, having having spent this amount of money? Would he want to go there? Because they've signed a striker, will Kai Havertz potentially go somewhere else? I mean, there, there's so many sort of knock-on effects of, of this transfer, isn't there?
3: The fact that Werner had a release clause, I think, made him unique. Because players at this calibre usually don't come with release clauses. They're already at a club where um, clubs insist they don't have release clauses, uh, where clubs fight tooth for nail to keep them. But he found himself at a club that is not a destination club with a release clause, which effectively made him... free agent in a sense that he could decide what happens next with harvards and uh, sancho the situation is different because both have two years run to left on their contract both have huge valuations that no one wants to meet at the moment perhaps no one can meet at the moment and it's a bit of a cat and mouse game because the clubs who want to buy are saying look you can sell him next year but we don't think the value is going to hold because then he will only have one year left on his contract so if one year left on his contract means he'll be only worth 50 million pounds do you still think that 100 million now is is reasonable if no one can pay it and the club both clubs are saying well that's all good and well but we're not gonna uh, leave a play, let a player leave for a depressed value in this market if he can help us win uh, the Bundesliga, in Dortmund's case, if he can help us make it into the Champions League next year again, which is can be worth the difference in price that we might be giving up. So you effectively have a situation where everything is on hold. Um, I've been told, and David has been much closer to the story, that United f- made some serious progress um, when it came to Sancho in March and then things, with the coronavirus crisis basically hit hit a buffer. With, with Harvard's, it's been a situation where Bayern are repeatedly saying, we'd, lo- we'd like to get him, but we can't afford him. You have both players who I think who want to effectively want to leave this summer. So, very, very difficult to, um, to know how these things will be resolved because you have, you're you dealing with so many variables, um, especially with, with coronavirus crisis and um, factors that I don't think are still quite understood well enough for clubs to, to jump and, and make that commitment at the moment.
0: Liam, what's your understanding and what what Chelsea want to do uh, in addition to Werner
2: now? Sure. Well, my colleague Simon Johnson reported only a few days ago that Chelsea are looking at two marquee signings. Werner, it is now clear, is one of them. We believe the other one is a left back and Ben Chilwell has been the number one target for months now. Chelsea do have more immediate pressing Priorities in terms of upgrading this team than Sancho or Havertz. Left back has all has long been identified as the, the part of this starting eleven that is most easy to upgrade. Although it has to be said that a deal for Ben Chilwell will will not be easy and not be cheap um, because Leicester rarely sell unless it's on their on their terms, as as Manchester United found out with Harry Maguire. That's not to rule out that Chelsea could do something because I think what we've seen this summer is that they are pivoting back to the strategy that served them really well in the summer of 2014, which is probably the the last really great summer Chelsea had where they they brought in Diego Costa, like Werner, by um, capitalising on a release clause and signing Cesc Fabregas as well. Um, They are focusing on quality rather than quantity to build around the core that they have. They, they believe in this core of young Academy players and their potential. And they, they think that with the right additions around them, they can, they can do something very special in the next two to three years and really close the gap, not just on, on Manchester city and Liverpool, but to, to the rest of Europe's elite. So I think we've already seen that Abramovich is prepared to, to maybe be a bit bolder in the transfer market than a lot of other European clubs. Are clubs that maybe ha- don't have the security of an independent, um, independently wealthy benefactor. Whether that translates to another massive deal, the kind of money it would take to to get Sancho or Havertz is a is another is another question. But it, it can't be ruled out entirely based on what we've seen from Chelsea so far.
1: Liam, on that, uh, I found it incredible during one of my conversations as part of this story on the Athletic that. During Lampard's conversations with Werner he was laying out a three-year plan that Chelsea have and it's all geared around investment and the opposite of scaling back because of the coronavirus crisis or any other restrictions but actually piling money and intelligence into this project. So the first year being to sort of stabilise to bring this young crop together, the second year to challenge for for honours, and by the end of it, they are winning them, is, is the vision. And that, you know... Th- this is actually a moment that Chelsea are going to put their foot down on the pedal, whereas many people are putting their foot on the brake. It really seems like this is a kind of a seminal moment for Chelsea. And, and and we've done quite a lot of reporting on this in the past. You've outlined it there and, and we, we said this could be a real summer of opportunity for Roman Abramovich. It, it feels like they're, they're going for it.
2: Yeah, I think they recognise that in a, in a situation like this, there is a potential for them to have... The kind of competitive edge that Abramovich Abramovich's money hasn't given them since around 2008, when you had the Manchester City takeover and 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 the landscape of it, of the English transfer market and and to some extent the European transfer market changed. They believe, I think they believe that that with the right players around the the core they have, they can they can build the next great Chelsea team. You can argue that they haven't really had a great. Chelsea team for for at least five years I think it's kind of been running under the radar a little bit that yeah Abramovich invested almost a quarter of a billion of his own personal wealth last in the most f- recent set of financial accounts to cover a season without Champions League football to cover the signings of making Kepa the most expensive goalkeeper ever of, of bringing in Jorginho so we know that he is he's willing to spend we know that he is still prepared to to spend in order to win and the fact that Chelsea have not significantly scaled back during this crisis they've not laid people off they've not enforced pay cuts they've not furloughed people they've not borrowed money from government schemes in any way um, gives them the latitude now to to spend in a way that a lot of other clubs don't feel able to spend and this is an opportunity for them not to not to just pull away from the likes of Arsenal and Tottenham, who are operating in a different financial environment right now, but also to significantly close the gap on on Manchester City and Liverpool.
1: Just one final quick point on that. I was told that Chelsea, as part of this three-year plan, have their budget mapped out already, which is remarkable considering that some clubs not only have no no money to play with um, and are staring at a pretty precarious path ahead financially, but also have no idea of how they're going to plan ahead and what parameters they're going to be working in. So it'll be fascinating to see how this pans out for Chelsea on and off the pitch.
0: Well, gents, time has beaten us. People have been given chapter and verse on Timo Werner. What to expect? Um, Just just a quick one. There there isn't going to be any last twists in this one and this is all going to be made redundant, is it? To my knowledge,
1: and Raph... (laughs) May have more on this from the German perspective and Liam from the Chelsea perspective. No, there's no going back. This is not a tactic to flush out Liverpool uh, for once and for all or anybody else for that matter. The deal is Chelsea's and it will get done, I'm told. Uh, They just need to finalise all the details and uh, I expect that will be done, all being well, by the end of next week and in advance of the expiry of Timo Werner's release clause which was the 15th of June every year uh, it is activated at the start of the summer it ends on the 15th of June and the buyout clause decreases as we've detailed on on the athletic we've shown you the figures and it doesn't apply in January so yeah it's all going to be wrapped up by the looks of it unless my esteemed colleagues can tell me otherwise. Anyone want to
0: uh, embarrass David?
3: No, No, (laughs) nothing from me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, gents, it's been great to have your company. Um, We look forward to uh, watching Timo Werner in the Premier League from next season. And uh, don't forget that if you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, make sure that you go to theathletic.com forward slash Ornstein and Chapman uh, for much more detail on this story and to take advantage of of our 30-day free trial. If you want to try before you buy, it is a a real treat, this article, to to give you all the nitty-gritty details on uh, one of the big deals that we've seen secured for this next transfer window. And we'll be following all the ups and downs uh, throughout the summer. And of course, when the uh, football restarts, you will be treated to all the best football writing that there is. Thank you very much for listening. And gentlemen, thanks for your company.